Breaking the cycle to step forward. Authentic conversations from lived experience and a professional perspective in overcoming abuse with Chris Tuck and Beverly Ann. Hi everyone and welcome to Breaking the Cycle to Step Forward podcast number six. I'm Chris Tuck and I am Beverly Ann. And as we always say, we're talking from both a lived experience perspective and professional too. And this week we are discussing therapy. And it's really important to discuss this topic because so many people's mental health is under a challenge at the moment or it's taken a slide or they're literally on their knees. And we're going to talk about mental health services and everything around all of this. So we hope you find it beneficial. So Beverly, what is therapy to you? What does it actually look like? Now, this is a really great question and we could spend the whole time speaking just about therapy. So therapy for me in my own language is a, um, a way to find your voice. Now, that can be in lots of different ways, because when we say way to find your voice, initially we think about talking. And talking isn't necessarily the only way to find your voice. And also it's how we come to it and what's right for us at that time. So for instance, there are lots of different types of therapy and we can go through a couple of these, such as CBT, Cognitive Behavioural Therapy. And that's where we're learning to change the way um, we've always behaved, the way our brain is tuned in neurologically. And I would say, actually, we do that in most therapies. We're looking to change something. We've also got hypnotherapy. We've got um, art therapy, art therapy, music therapy. Absolutely. Equine therapy coaching psych you know psychoanalysis psychotherapist you know there's a whole abundance of different therapies and I remember when I was ready to start therapy years ago I was absolutely petrified of opening in my mind Pandora's box mm -hmm. absolutely so when would you say <clears throat> someone should look for a therapy or a therapist and what should they choose if they have got no knowledge so they've got all of this stuff going on in their brain they have physical symptoms they are feel I love this word feel discombobulated yes yeah don't know what the hell's going on for them but they know they need help what do they do well in all fairness that that I love that word about they know they need help. Often we don't know what we want. We know we don't feel well. So currently in the biomedical world, the NHS, and I'm just saying the NHS because that's the infrastructure that we work from, everybody, that was put together to ensure that everybody had access to life-saving medicine, such as if you have a symptom of a heart attack, you could go to hospital and be 
receive the treatment for that heart attack and sometimes receive a new heart, have a stent, etc. And so we, we had access to that. And that's fantastic. But if we're kept not careful what happens, we have different symptoms. We heal the symptoms, but we don't look at what's underneath. Yeah, addressing the cause. Absolutely. And that is often there's a, an emotional cause under lots of physical illnesses. And that's where, as a recovery practitioner, I see this time and time again. But we very much are in, this is my symptoms. How can I treat that? And actually, you know, when I look back, I can see that I was very, very strong in my 20s. I'd been very strong growing up. And my body kept packing up my kidneys. I had meningitis. I was seriously ill um, with meningitis, which is a viral illness. And my immunity system was at an absolute low. Um, I was always being ill physically. Yep. Never even considered it would be connected mentally or emotionally because I was shut off from my emotions. It was when my body was ready and it suddenly felt, I can't do this anymore. My head was busting. And so for me, I did the only thing I knew how, and I reached out to Samaritans. And that is one place that you can do. And I signpost people sometimes if that's right for them. Is it 116116 or 123123? It's 116116 now. Yeah, thought so. And what's really good is if you're out and about and there are different places, you will see these signs yeah. at different places. So coming back to therapy, I didn't know what was available. And I'd like to think that we have more choice nowadays, but it doesn't necessarily mean we know what's right for us. So the first thing I always say is, what is it you're looking for? Now that's important because when I say, what is it you're looking for is I take myself right back all those years ago I was looking to release some of those feelings that I had inside of me which were what was your feeling guilt shame I couldn't carry on anymore yeah Um, I didn't like the pain that I was feeling the emotional pain the flashbacks the not sleeping the constantly being ill but I knew it wasn't just, I couldn't get, just go to the doctor, although I did go to the doctor, but I wasn't getting what I needed, as in there was no release. So I then reached out to the Samaritans at that time. Now, I'm trying to put myself in the perspective of one or two of our listeners who have contacted yeah. us to ask us here. And the reason why I'm saying it like that is because I just knew that I needed to speak to someone. For me, because mine resulted from sexual abuse, I then contacted um, therapists. That was a niche for sexual abuse. I knew I that's what I wanted. I didn't know anything after that. Yeah. I remember speaking to Caroline, and um, if she's ever listening. The first thing I said to her is, I just need to speak to somebody once or twice. I, I'm not looking for a couple of years. I'm not, I, I actually said to her, I'm not actually losing my mind that much. 
for was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that we don't realise, do we? No, and it was too much for me. So she just knowingly said, yes, okay, let's have a conversation. And I think having a, a, a discovery call with someone is really vital if you have the opportunity. Because you know, I know, there are lots of different therapies, but are you connecting with a therapist? And a lot of people think that once they've found their therapist, they have to stay with that therapist if they don't gel with that therapist, if they don't connect with that therapist. So I just want to assure everybody that you're not always going to get that connection or trust that therapist. So you have the right to ask to change. You might have to go back on the waiting list. You might have to do some more due diligence yourself if you're paying privately. But don't think you have to stay with a therapist just because, just because you don't. Absolutely. You know, and this goes back to our previous um, podcast when we talk about relationship. This is a relationship of yeah. trust. You yeah. know, I know that, for instance, part of my therapy now is yoga. But when I've had yeah. some yoga teachers, you know, I'll try out a couple, you know, yeah. or go to a workshop or try and find out much, something about you know, the yoga teacher to see if there's a connection, first of all. And if I go to their class, it's not saying they're, a, they're not a good yoga teacher. It's not right for me. Same yeah. therapist. So yes, I've, I've worked with different therapists over the years. And I still, obviously, because I'm a practitioner myself now, I need um, support myself. Yes. And supervision. But that doesn't mean to say I always stay with the same person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I also want to just um, just reiterate here that often <clears throat> you have episodes of ill health. And so you might not you might be in therapy for a long period of time or it might be a short period of time. And then you can live your life quite happily for a, a period of time, short or long. And then you might need another period of therapy and it might be different therapy so people out there need to realize that this um, journey of healing may take them forwards 10 steps back five steps and then they need a different type um, of intervention for them um, yes. and just be aware of that and just know that that's okay yes so it's a bit like if you broke your ankle and you were and it was healing, there will be different parts of that ankle that you need to work on. And it's the same as us with our feelings and emotions. You know, we're like an onion. So I remember when we first when I very first started working with, you know, my recovery, I would look at certain different things and think, that's it, I'm healed. And I actually remember <laughs> at one time when someone to slightly tap me on the shoulder and said I think you need to go back and revisit I was like no I've done that thank you tick that box yeah you know because we grow up in this this society expectations well I haven't got those simple symptoms I've done that tick tick and actually what I didn't know then was I'm, I was ready more than ready for the next layer yeah it's peeling the onion layer by layer isn't it Absolutely. There's also another school of thought because I do like turning things around. Yeah. 
I'm very much a practitioner. So when I'm working with clients, yes, at first when I work with a client, I like it to be weekly, but also I'm not looking to disable somebody. So we very much within our biomedical system of things, and I will say that because that's how we have our infrastructure, we will often get somebody diagnosed. So for instance, disassociative disorder. Now, yes, I understand we need that so that we can diagnose, we can communicate, but then I do passionately feel that what we do then is we disable people with that label. What some I like, people. some people, absolutely. What I think myself, and it's something that you, we do in our conversations, I actually like to do it the other way, enable people. So now we've diagnosed somebody with- We know what you're dealing with. Yeah. So what is it that you need to enable you, to empower you to live your life to your best of your living? Breaking the cycle, two step forwards. What absolutely. is it? Yeah, absolutely. And in doing that, we are looking at what's underneath, what we've learned. So sometimes you'll work with somebody and you're not in the right space and it's not come back. It's not that anybody's done anything wrong, but I know when I look back with hindsight, some of the work I did with people didn't actually resonate until I was doing a workshop with someone else. Yeah. This. And then it was like, oh, it's that light bulb moment. Oh, yes, I get it now. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the course that I teach, Beverly, I don't want to use this as a sales pitch, but just the course that I run, um, often people think that they're going to get all of the answers in this eight-week course, and they're not. It's about drip-feeding little bullets of information, nuggets of information that they resonate with and run with, i.e. they go and research and they practice it and it works for them, or they hear it and they go, actually, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to deal with that. It, that does, that's not for me. It doesn't resonate with me. And they leave that information. And that's just as good because you now know that doesn't work for you or you're not ready to hear it or whatever the situation is. But that little bit that you've just heard, yeah, that's great. Just like light bulb moment you just said, and they run with it and they learn something they're not going to get Absolutely. all of the answers because everybody's in a different place. Their lived experience is different. Everything gets complicated. So, you know, you peel the onion a little bit in my course, for example, you go away and it might, you know, the, the message or the learning from my course might be that actually, oh my God, I've got deeper, big rock stuff going on and I need to go and get a counsellor that's trauma-informed, that has a speciality in eating disorders, sexual violence whatever it is and then you go away and find that help for you that intervention for you so it's part of that journey of learning you're never going to go to one counselor or one course one workshop whatever it is and learn all of the answers and get all of the healing in a short amount of space of time it doesn't work like that absolutely and that's why if we were standing in a room with a hundred people in there some people will naturally resonate towards you, Chris. Some yeah. will naturally resonate towards me. And some will walk away and think, no, that's not for me, thank you. Yeah, no, not my cup not. of tea. Yeah. 
And that's nothing against us. It's just being in the right place at the right time. Yeah. I'm a big believer. That's why we do what we do. It's a passion. It comes from our heart. Yeah. We don't even yeah. we don't even script this. We might have a few pointers, but it yeah. really does come from our hearts because we're very much believers about opening this conversation. So yeah. somebody today will hear this conversation and actually think, oh, yeah, actually, where do I start? Yeah, I'd be interested in speaking to somebody. Yeah. Or, you know, maybe I'll tune in now and they'll listen to us more. And then, yeah. you know, I had a lady a few years ago that contacted me. And yes, I specialize in adverse childhood experiences such as child abuse with adults. But as she was listening to me talking, she was like, no, no, that. And she actually turned me off in anger because she yeah. was like, no. But what was amazing, she said, was six months later, she found herself still thinking about me. Yes. And the anger that I touched, like I'd inflamed. So yeah. I touched on something. But then in her words, but I wasn't abused. And she wasn't. She came from a loving family. However, she was badly bullied at school and she moved yeah. into school. And what that anger was, she realised, was... How could her parents not see? Her parents that she loved, the bit that touched on her was, you know, how could my parents keep moving me? Now, that's, yeah. that's normal. It's not that they've done anything wrong. Yeah. But from a young person's perspective, that's normal. And then when we were able to work together, it was right for her. And she went, but for somebody else, they may never have come to me. They might have gone to somebody else. Or they may have thought, no, I'm not speaking about this. And, you know, speaking to some of um, survivors that I've been speaking to recently without giving anything away, um, they've been saying to me <clears throat> that in even my own experience of therapy, um, you know, you've gone to a therapist before where they just sit back and they let you do the talking. They want you to work your way through, but without any guidance, without some help understanding what's going on for you and without some questions people don't know what to say and they're not just going to open up and they're not just going to share their deep vulnerabilities and their deep fears and their deep shame and whatever it is that's going on for them because you've not given anything back so I know many ther some therapists they like no we don't give anything of ourselves because we've got to keep that boundary but unless there's some connection, you're not going to get that person opening up to you. And I know some other therapists that go, yeah, I, I do share some things that go on for me because it helps build the rapport and the trust and the relationship. So it just really mind boggles me that there are the, all these different stances of dealing with, with people, you know, delivering of therapy and receiving therapy. And I just find it really difficult when it's more academic based therapy, i.e., you know, you just let them speak. Well, I didn't speak for six weeks. I just cried. And then for me, that experience of that therapy was it was a complete waste of time. All I did was cry um, and I didn't get any help and it was shut down. And then that put me off therapy for life. So where I could have got um, more therapy because I needed it at the time, in my mind, it was like, well, if that's what therapy is, 
it's a waste of time and I'm never going to try it again. And that is other people's experience as well. So it's almost like, you know, we're trying to tell people you might experience therapy like that, but please know that's not the only therapy. And there is so much more to therapy out there. And we want you to go back and try again. Absolutely. And, you know, my very first experience, um, as much as I'm still eternally grateful, there were times that for me, it took me to the trauma tunnel, what I call the trauma tunnel, because I was speaking about the very experiences that were going round and round and round and round. And that's why, hence, I'm a big believer about looking at how we responded, looking at how we can change the neurological. So understanding the science of why, what, how our body's reacting physically and why, how it's being triggered to respond like that. And once we understand that, we can learn grounding techniques as we've had yes. conversations before. Yeah. We can learn right from the get-go how to respond when our body gets triggered. When we've done that, then we can go forward. Now, for some clients, just learning that takes a long time and they need to go away and learn that before they can continue. Or they need one-to-one -one help to do that, to yes. actually help them stabilise, to actually help them ground themselves because they're not able to do it for themselves. So before they work on any of their underlying issues, they need to be able to do that. But part of the therapy is that. Absolutely. Now, some people like doing that in groups. I, I get some clients work really well in groups and I'll be very upfront here. I struggled with groups myself yes. at the beginning. Yeah, It didn't work for me at first, although since then, you know, over the years, I, I like both. Yeah, because you get to see other people. It's like, oh, what? You feel like that too. Yeah. Oh, I must be normal. Oh, and yeah. I thought I wasn't normal. Yeah, yeah, that's you know, classic, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And once you start being able to share, like, well, actually, this is this is what I'm feeling. And then someone says, oh, yeah, that's the same for me. It's like, oh, that's a relief. Whereas for me, I needed the one-to-one -one at first more than yeah. the group. And I think what everybody needs to understand, and we've said this many times before, is that trauma is a natural, normal response to abnormal incidences of abuse that you've been through, whether that's mental, physical, sexual abuse, whether it's financial abuse, whether it's bullying, whether it's any of the other adverse childhood experiences, plus more. There's yes. so many, you know, but trauma is normal. So when we get this diagnosis, official diagnosis via the, um, is it DSM? Diagnostic yeah. tool that they use, psychiatrists yeah. use, um, that, you know, having a label, is helpful in as you've explained to, to empower you to move forward but it can be disabling for those people that get a diagnosis for some um, and then they they feel or they're almost told because then they're medicated that they're never gonna recover okay. from any of that and yeah. it's it's just not true it's no. you know a tr you can recover from trauma you can lessen the impact on you mentally and physically by having other interventions like EMDR, for example. 
absolutely so for instance you know we talk about meditation and i know we've had this in a conversation before i know now that meditation in you know sometimes it's for me just walking my meditation is walking outside smelling seeing hearing um but when someone tried to teach me meditation with my eyes closed years ago it was the worst thing possible now yeah, i love safe. it yeah you know i didn't feel safe i didn't know how yeah safe then so there is times that if something's not worked for you don't just write it off either just reconsider but always yeah. ask yourself like our last podcast that we did about trust is this right for me at this time at this time yeah yeah because your circumstances do change and revisiting something that might not have worked for you may work for you now yeah so yeah one of the things is you mentioned right at the beginning about you know where we are you know so many people feel that they have mental health issues and they're and we're at an all-time level yeah. i would like to see this turned around okay. because what we've been doing is encouraging people to speak out on something that we haven't understood we haven't understood the impact of trauma if we look back historically about how people have suffered in the past and how we've treated it now i'd like to think that this is coming to its widest part and that now from young children up within all the school environments i would like to know that we're more trauma informed and we encourage conversations so that we understand as children what is a healthy relationship that it's okay you know show your when, emotions yeah and that when someone hits you no that that's not right yeah yeah but they have to be truly trauma practicing because Absolutely. you know so many people now say oh yeah trauma informed trauma informed trauma informed but they don't actually understand what it means so i don't know whether i should share this or not um speaking to some counselors they feel that some clients are not safe to work with because of where they're at I hear the thing that. is if you do not step in and just be that helping hand at this time when someone isn't fit to undertake some trauma work you're letting them down so there needs to be almost that hand holding that safe space that person can trust in you to to speak truth with them and then help them on the way to a path that's suitable for them you can't just stop looking after someone or looking out for someone just because it's not safe in a practitioner's view absolutely so this is where now now we yeah. are really going to peel the labels off this yeah i personally i personally regardless of your practice you know it, you know as a therapist as a practitioner yeah. we have a responsibility when somebody comes to us that's what we undertake you know yeah and if we feel that it's not within our remit or yes. an area that we're not comfortable with yeah then we can signpost yeah absolutely but not just say oh i can't deal with you and that's it that's abandonment yeah absolutely and that's just 
putting another layer on the onion, isn't it? Absolutely. So I, you know, there are some people that get in touch with you. You know, one of the things that I say to people is when they get in touch with me, if they choose not to work with me, that's okay. Yeah. And then I just say, is it okay if I just touch base with you? And yeah. then when, you know, a week later, even sometimes a month later, sometimes yeah. not, I'll just send a, 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 an email. How yeah. are you? Yeah. Is there anything, you know, is there anything you need right now? Now, I'm not expecting to do lots. I'm just letting them know they're not alone. If they yeah. want to speak with somebody else, they can. Do yes. they need some more information? Yeah. But for me, Beverly, it's, all, it's also sort of like, you know, if someone is coming to you and they're asking more of you that you can give and you've already signposted, it's like you need to keep giving out the same message to that person because they're either not hearing it, not wanting to hear it, or they want something more from you that you can give. So again, you know your own boundaries, you know what you can do, what you can't do, but at the same time, you're not abandoning them because you're giving them the same message because that is what they need to do within yes. your remit. Yes. Yep. And often um, what I do there as well, there are different things you can signpost them to as well, a book, a video, different things yes. like that, if yep. that's the part. So, yeah. Um, and reinforcing, reinforcing. So there are times that... Um, we need to reinforce a message so that it can be heard and understood. Okay. So I really wanted to talk about mental health services today, but we're right at the end really of our 30 minutes and we've probably just gone over a little bit. So just really quickly, I want to touch upon this. So the mental health services at the moment, they are so inundated. The funding has been cut left, right and centre. And I know we've been saying this for years and years and years and years, but now because of the pandemic, that we've just come out of, it's horrendous. Services want young people and vulnerable adults off of their lists. So for example, we have gone through an NHS trust that's local to us at the moment with a young person that I know. And it was, you do our 12 week online stabilizing course, which is a grounding course. And at the end of that, if you need further service, we will assess you. And then if you need one-to-one, -one, we will put you on the list, okay? But if you can't ground yourself, if you can't stabilize yourself, we can't put you on the one-to-one -one list. We will discharge you. That to me is not trauma-informed practice. It's abandonment and it's... Um, where is the safeguarding? Okay. And, yeah, sorry. No, no, carry on, Chris. So for me, it was really important that I bring this to the public attention because a trauma-informed service for me would be, we understand that you can't stabilise yourself after doing our course. So therefore, what we're going to do is give you one-to-one. -one. This isn't an ideal world where there's funding. We will give you one-to-one -to, -one to help you with that. And then we can start addressing your underlying issues because there is a need there. That's what I would like to see for children 
young people and vulnerable adults okay I'd like to see it for everybody but you know in this day and age where the funding is cut it's not happening uh, but I'm so passionate about this for young minds because it will stop them going through years and years and years and years of what we've gone through and then as adults ending up looking for services almost having to pay for them if they can privately because it's just not available on the NHS or the mental health services um, and it will stop impact on next generation so this is where I think the government and services statutory services are so short-sighted absolutely because this is a fact I'm going to give you as well. In business, okay, the biggest cost to all businesses is sickness. Yeah. And the biggest cause of sickness, long-term and short-term, is stress. Yes. And that includes, in that stress, that includes non-recent trauma or yeah. stress, however you want to say it. Yeah. And the biggest gap for that to happen, the biggest impact, is between the years of 35 years and 55 years and that's all there on the um websites i can quote you figures i haven't got my money yeah. figures because i didn't expect to share yeah. this insight at the moment <laughs> um and we're when you're looking at the age um we're looking at not just one person being ill we're looking at the impact of the management and infrastructure within businesses and then you look at, you know, suicide completion rates, you know, the biggest killer of men 40 years and younger is suicide. And I am going to bring that up because I'm a yeah. big believer. Unless we talk about it, yeah. how can we change it? Yeah. So I know we're coming to an end, but yes. if we don't find the, the resources for um, people now, this will only get bigger. And yeah, it the, is. And the pot will only get smaller. And yeah. yet it impacts us in so many different ways. It's not just one person. It's within businesses. It's everything. So yeah. it is something. It's a much bigger picture. And we need to stand back. And it's look very at complicated. Yeah. yeah. But I just think that our statutory services, if they're discharging people, they're not safeguarding them correctly. They're not trauma-informed and basically um they are sharing a picture that is not true because if you're not on a list how do we know how prevalent the problem is yeah and that that sadly that is a really sad fact of what's happening at the it's moment nationwide absolutely and and this is where we don't have the infrastructure in properly for what we've learned about trauma and so doing podcasts such as this and opening the conversation, and we're not the only ones, there's lots of other people. This yeah. is where I'd like to see that shift, or we'd like to see that shift coming around so it is properly trauma-informed. Yeah, absolutely. Where okay. I love the film Resilience. Yes. We're perhaps we share that in the blurb under this podcast, yeah? Yes. Yeah. Um, I think we need to bring it to a close, yes, unfortunately. Anybody so, listening and who's been triggered today by our conversation, please take extra self-care because I know that we've touched on quite a few things here. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, there's always the Samaritans, 116, 116. 
There is always the Survivors Trust that has nationwide access to helplines and support, specialist support and rape crisis as well and many others things like NAPAC, yeah. Solace, there are loads out there but if you go to the nationwide charities everybody every member charity will be underneath that nationwide yeah and if they're um, we're quite happy if they contact us we can help give them some posts as well yeah okay yeah. all Chris, right very much any last thoughts for the today I'm so angry, Beverly, so angry at how our young people and our vulnerable adults are being fouled left, right and centre, left, right and centre. So angry. So I will keep speaking up about this. Yeah. Thank you, Chris. And for me, the last thought of the day is about thinking about people's self-care because, you know, we are talking about something that is very personal for people. Yeah. Please do reach out. Um, because you're not alone yeah absolutely 100 percent. all well, right then thank you everyone until next time keep your comments coming and let us know what subjects you want us to to touch upon in future podcasts thank you bye